Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon, and this is Scale Yourself Podcast. Welcome to Scale Yourself Podcast, listed number nine of 43 best podcasts for every sales professional. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn Sales as one of 15 innovating influencers to follow. In today's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast, my guest talks about how you can become a master of objection prevention. His whole focus of, of sales is around objection and how you can handle that, how you can get your, your emotional state intact in order to handle projections and then more importantly to practice it as as well so we had a great discussion about training coaching um practicing for for skills but also he gave real insight into how you move your buyers forward what are the two main things that they need in order to move forward so you're going to love this great conversations that we had on Scale Your Sales podcast. My next guest is known as the Sales Sensei. He is the founder of the Sales Dojo, where entrepreneurs, business professionals and sales leaders go to practice their skills live in an interactive and safe environment. Welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Joe Marcus. Yes, thank you so much for having me here. I am so pleased, Janice, that I got the opportunity from you to be able to be on your show. So thank you so much. I am honored to be here. Well, it's absolutely my my pleasure, and I I, I love. I know that you're in Mexico, and like you, you're you just as long as you have the facilities, the internet, then you you know you can go any anywhere. And I was in America, and I was in Antigua. I've had a fabulous year. Um, traveling this year so I absolutely get you know you spending the amount of time in gorgeous Mexico with great weather lucky (laughs) it is (laughs) it is I could be in Winnipeg right now which is home how over the next four months is going to be home I could be in Winterpeg or (laughs) minus 40 Celsius or I could be at 25 degrees I I, I made the choice wonderful (laughs) thing about the way that we can live today we're very blessed yeah it is we are we are so Let's talk about, you know, one of your your main areas. It's about objection prevention. I've got, um, I'll I'll start this again, but I've got a whole, you know, like when you have those sticky things on the walls and you're doing all my goals and business plans, but I keep hearing this noise in the sound. And I don't know if this is telling me something. Um, It's all falling off my wall as we speak. So let me just- No problem. Right. Okay. Because I'll keep hearing it in the side. Okay. No sweat. (laughs) We'll cut this bit out. Okay. No problem. So I really want to start off by asking you about one of the main areas you talk about, which is objection prevention. So tell me more about that. So objection prevention is the skill of what I like to call aim. We need to aim with our guests. And many salespeople will call a a guest or a prospect. Prospect, a prospect, and so 
the way that we think about who we deal with people, and I love the introduction that it, on, on Apple Podcasts in terms of how you explain, if you're looking for someone who's going to help you crush your numbers, this thing, and I'll tell you what, when you go in with that mindset that I'm going to sell at all costs, people get turned off by that. And, and I took notes, you know, the, 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 you're an author of business evolution. That's exactly it. People are evolving and the information is coming at them. There's so much of it and it gets confusing. So to be a good trusted advisor is to be someone who can curate information because all of it is out there for free. The problem is there's so much of it. That there's a lot of misinformation. So to be a trusted advisor and expert it's curating the information in such a way where we can help people. And then by asking what questions, questions do I need to ask to be able to insight two things to be able to prevent objections? And there's two things that we need to be able to have someone feel compelled to buy. So it's not a sales conversation. It's a buying conversation. And those two things, desire and urgency. Without them, nobody's interested in making a decision which is what our our goal is, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, and they want you your help to make the decision. That's right. You need to make it easy for them to make the decision. And that's yes. why, you know, going out and doing the right kind of research and making sure that you're offering them the, the value and the outcomes that they, they really want. So it makes it easy for them to make the decision. I absolutely, I, I do love that. And I'm, I often talk about, you know, I think the sales process is kind of redundant now. We've had to put in so much technology and sales stack in order to make this thing work, which should tell you it's not working. Right. Buyers have moved on and changed. And it's really we should as sellers, we should be focusing on the buyer's journey and focusing on the buying process, not yours, but their buying process. And you need yeah. to um, fit into that. And, you know, many, much of the questions, the discovery that you often talk about is sure that you are leading with their buying process and understanding yes. that. So I, I, I love what you, you have to say about this. You, you also you touched upon something as well. You, we, you, you, we, we use and you use the word alignment mm -hmm. and alignment isn't just a word that we throw out there. It's a question of how do I feel? how I feel and how my guest feels so that we can create no like and trust so that we can be inclusive. So what questions can I ask? And then what questions can I eliminate? And I'll give you a hint at, at something. Oftentimes people who unfortunately are misinformed the right training, they'll use why based questions. And so why, why do you feel this way? Why are you on this call? Why do you need this? Well, why is excellent for when I'm self-reflecting? It's why-based questions that are very intrusive when I ask you why. So if I can reframe why to what, it takes down a barrier and it allows someone to answer with complete transparency and it gives you alignment and it makes the no like and trust process happen much faster so for those of you that are watching or listening right now change your why based questions to what based questions and watch what happens make a di well, big difference immediately as soon as you said why got my back up you've created right. that barrier it's like an attack you yes. know like do i deserve to have this you know in you know the way i think you're attacking me so right. yeah i get that and there's there's something to be said about 
whether it's in the process of discovery, again, what are we looking for? We're looking for desire and urgency. And then when we deliver our price, then typically what happens is people get amnesia because they forget how they felt, right? People will typically, even those that are analytical, they'll buy based on emotion and justify with logic. So even the analytical mind, when you get over the numbers and then you can ask them, so what are your feelings on that? They'll tell you how they feel based on the analysis and then bring it back to a logic-based question, such as a temperature check. So Janice, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the highest, give me your impression in terms of how likely we are to be able to hit our goal if we work together. Mm. And it's just a number, yet the number is now logic-based. So if it makes sense logically, then we can then proceed. And what happens is when somebody provides a price, people get scared. This is, and objections are normal. They're absolutely normal. So as you mentioned earlier, when you heard a why-based question, you felt icky. It's like, what's going on? And we end up mirroring back and forth. When you feel a certain way, it gets to me. And then what happens is when our emotions go up, intelligence goes down. And really, we want to be able to maintain our own emotional composure and still be able to have the strength to lean into challenging conversations. It's really interesting because we know that we all, including our buyers, make decisions on emotion. And right. then, but we have to have the logic there to actually feel comfortable to back it up. But actually, you say when the emotion up, our logic goes down. So it's right. kind of like it's a bit counterintuitive, isn't it? It, so how it does absolutely works. So, so, and this is what's interesting in the world of overcoming objections. It's for us, as we'll call ourselves the trusted advisors or the sellers, it's up to us to be able to have composure and really to be able to practice. And this is the problem that I see in my own sales training experience, where I have personally, and I'm sure you have as well, Janice, I've personally spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in my career, no joke, to go to weekend workshops and purchasing programs and watching videos and spent a lot of time and having to get on airplanes and go work for a weekend and then leave with the intention or the opportunity to learn something. Just because I've heard something doesn't mean I actually have unconscious competence on the subject matter. So even as myself, as a sales coach, I've gone to go work with a company for, they've asked me, hey, come in for a weekend, come do a keynote. And people have said, wow, I learned something. And it's like, well, you just got told information. <laughs> you don't know it yet. And so, you know, I've, I've had the experience where people have said, yeah, we had a big bump in our sales. And then within a few weeks, old habits crept back in. And this is the problem that I've always found with sales training is that a, th there is no one immersive event approach that's going to help people get what we call their black belt. You have to, just like a fitness program, it, it, it's, it's crazy to think that if you want to gain strength, that you would actually go and exercise for 24 hours or for 12 hours and then, okay, that's it, I'm fit. It's, we know that's not how this works. And training of the mind and of the emotional resilience is the same thing. It requires practice. So the suggestion is, and this is going to be contrarian, and I want to throw it on its head. I, I want people to consider the minimum effective dosage. In other words, instead of immersing your and trying to cram, 
let's just understand that this is the long game and this process is exactly that. It's a, it's not a trip. It's a journey. So do the minimum effective dose of, of 30, maybe 60 minutes a week and practice and then come back and keep sharpening the ax because otherwise it doesn't work. Yeah. I love that you brought up this, this subject because and, you know, this is why coaching works really well rather than training. Yes. Training, as you say, you've just heard the information. They might get a spike if you're lucky, but, you know, right. it, it's not going to last <clears throat> long term. So, um, you know, the learning curve and all of that. And so this is why I kind of took a new approach to I've never been classified or classified myself as a sales trainer. I, you know, my work is kind of working strategically, but still working with sales leaders and, and sales teams. But I really wanted, you know, I knew that kind of like the, we needed more skills, more competence in the industry. Yes. As you've just said, there are ways to do it. And the industry themselves, we know that 50% of, of sales people do not hit target and that's been the case for the last 30 years yes. so you know what we've done in the past isn't working going forward but you know within the sales industry they're not that great at coaching we know that right. coaching or bite-size you know, training works yes so i really love that you've kind of adopted that as your ways to get to change the behaviors and to change the skills as as well but I kind of took a step further back to that and looked at, sure. okay, we know that from the um, OMG research, 77% of salespeople shouldn't even be in sales. They have, you know, uh, assessed over the last 25 years, 2.4 million salespeople, industry is 153, I think, uh, countries. So it's a huge database that in for every role they know what great looks like okay so i thought okay if we know what great looks like doesn't it help the the individuals win sales to also learn that even i we, you know what i've discovered is when you have somebody that really shouldn't be in sales and you do an assessment and you're both kind of talking it through what's come out what they walk away with is known strengths they know more about themselves they have that insight and often they abdicate them out because they know that they're struggling they right. know they don't love it but they're not going to turn and say look i'm not going to do sales anymore because it's too lucrative i I'm, you know it's hard to do it that. is hard but once you've got that information that you know it's like yourself looking in the mirror and finally you're seeing the truth it's really easy to say do you know what i'm 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 really feel i want to do something else with my life yeah well and this is where i find interesting with whether it's the entrepreneurs that we deal with for example they have a passion for what their offer is or their product or their service and at the beginning people start off as an army of one mm -hmm. and so they have to learn the skills Ultimately, though, what I hope for them is to sell themselves out of that position so that they can continue to do marketing and product development and the like so that they can place, the, like you say, the appropriate people, which really gets their business to scale. Yeah. Because without it, then they're going to be on this hamster wheel of doing it all and they're not delegating 
there and and then of course you know are you delegating or are you abdicating you use the word abdicate and I, I appreciate that word so it's 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 a fair statement if you know that you can hire the right people with the right in, who have the right intention and the the right like just a good person can train them to be excellent at sales. If you are bringing someone who's coming in and I can close, um, th that that could get you into a lot of trouble. And yeah, because they often pick up on the old sales skills, exactly. don't they? Which isn't yeah. relevant today. And and, and you know, I think you're absolutely right that the the um, founder, the the business owner, shouldn't be working in; they should be working on. On yes. The, but the thing is, I think with sales and especially with founders, I always say to them, you really need to learn how to, you may not be amazing at it, but you have to learn how to sell because that is the core, the engine in business. Yeah, it's if the oxygen. You, yeah, exactly. If you don't know how to revive your own organization, if you don't, under, and especially as you're starting out and growing, there's so much insight and knowledge you can gain from your customers by yes. asking them those discovery questions, by getting understanding what kind of objections are coming back to understand, you know, how the product needs to develop going forward. It is essential in the early years of your business that you're Absolutely. really at the front end with the customers. And then also when you're recruiting someone, in, you understand what you're recruiting for begun some of it yourself and as you say great word this is the oxygen of your business you cannot abdicate that at all it's interesting because there's a and there's a tip that i want to leave for you your your listeners specifically if we want to be able to delve deep and truly follow the threads of desire and urgency and do objection prevention i i, I lean on what i call my friend ted and it's a it's an acronym that stands for tell me, explain to me, describe to me. And you're you're naturally doing this, Janice. You ask questions and then you allow people to speak. And then it's so tell me a little bit more about this. Explain to me what this would feel like. Describe to me what happens when. And what we do is we just allow ourselves to go deeper. And in the world of Zoom, I always hold my notepad up, allowing people to see that I'm taking notes. I know that the younger generation love to type. I like to ask my TED-based questions. I take notes because, again, 55% of the way we communicate is visual. And so by doing this, I just allow people, because I do, I, I do take notes, and I, I let people see that I care enough to take notes because people don't care about how much you know until they know about how much you care. And yeah. so by doing these little actions of taking notes this way or telling people, listen, I'm typing, we're going to type. You could say, I'm typing right now. Don't think that I'm looking at Facebook or my stock portfolio. I'm just <laughs> taking notes of what we're doing. So tell me a little bit about, explain to me about, describe to me, talk to me. And these are the TED, the TED approach opens up the door to true desire and urgency. That's yeah. objection prevention. And then from a, when an objection does happen, it's a two-step process that I want to share with you and your listeners, and it's simple. It's it's elegant. An objection happens, I simply acknowledge you, and then I ask a question. Acknowledge, ask a question. Acknowledge, ask a question. So somebody says, you know, Janice, this is really expensive. Instead of letting my emotions go up, my intelligence goes down, it's, it's simply acknowledge, Janice, I really appreciate you letting me know how you feel. I'm curious, what exactly are we comparing this to? And just 
continue the conversation, move it forward and get an understanding as opposed to if you remove the acknowledgement, what happens? And you just ask the question, Joe, that's really expensive. What exactly are you comparing this to? It comes off as abrasive. So adding the habit, and this is behavioral, so that when we add the habit of acknowledgement, it makes a huge difference. And then what we like to work on, tone of voice, body language, because tone and body language combined are 93 way we communicate. So a lot of times people go, so what do I say when they say I need to go speak to the accounting department? Or I need to go speak to my spouse. I, I need to think about it. We can get, we can give you the scripts. I'll give you and your listeners an access to the sales objection mastery guide. It's a free guide. I'll give it, I'll give it to you, Janice, and feel free to give it to your listeners. That's 7% of the solution. The true solution is regular practice. So that make sure that you come across authentic as opposed to a robot. Yeah. Yeah. So what about the view that, well, there's two. One is that objections are back. It's, it could be a signal to buy, mm -hmm. um, but there's only a few questions that I have. Yeah. So it's quite open and inquisitive. Right. Because the word objection, words of power, word objection is almost like there's a block in that word. Right. There's it? resistance. Like yeah, exactly. And we don't right. really want that. So that's that's one thought I had. And the other is if you get many objections before you, you know, in the sales cycle uh, that, you know, before you might close, then there's something to say that you there's a lot of work you haven't done at the beginning and that's 100%. why you have all the objections at the end yes. so yes. how do you take that back to make sure next time round that doesn't happen right so this is where it's so important to audit your approach and to have outside eyes do it for you is even better because we typically don't audit ourselves well and ego can get in the way. So when you have somebody like yourself, who's a coach who can look at and, and or one of your team members that can audit a sales or buy, what we like to call a buying conversation. I, I, like to pe I like people to feel compelled to want to buy. So we call it a BC, it's a buying conversation. So mm -hmm. if you're running into too many objections, there's something wrong with your rapport building and discovery process, which we like to call the AIM approach. Align, inspire, motivate, and empower. If I can alignment, inspire someone to move them forward, to motivate them, to feel empowered, to do what? Decide. Then we're taking away, eliminating objections before they happen. Objections in and of themselves, for those of us that are in sales, we have to remember that objections are normal. And we have to have the skills. We've been talking skills repeatedly. We have to have the skills to be able to overcome them. And you're right. They're feedback. And there's emotional feedback in this context, because again, when I hear a price and some of it is strategic in the business to business world, you can have someone who's a buyer and it's part of their process to say, I need to go and speak with the next person in line. I'm, I do not have the authority to write the check. And so then the question becomes, what do I do to be able to move things forward? Because it's not transactional, like going in to buy a gym membership. The business to business world, sometimes it's 18 months, it could be up to three years to be able to finally get to the end of that cycle. And mm -hmm. we, you and I are having a conversation based on a relationship. And that's the point. 
And so objections are normal. How do I handle them? What do I need to say? And more importantly, how do I say it so that I don't come across abrasive? Mm. Yeah, love that. And you've got to practice it, haven't you? Uh, it's in the moment, it's different. Right. And yeah. so it's, it's no different than a martial art where, and this is why it's part of the, the vernacular that we use, where you start off as a white belt in our program and you can earn your black belt and it takes time. It, it takes time. And some people get there faster than others. You can't buy it. You have to put in the time, put in the practice. You want to build body strength. You have to put the time in the gym. It doesn't happen on a weekend. Well, you're just mm -hmm. going to end up being really, really sore on Monday if all you did was exercise all weekend. So if we you look at it, right? Were you there? Like I, because I've been in America, haven't had my usual routine. And uh, so I've been the gym for the last couple of days. I can barely sit down. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> right? And so it's, and, and this is what's interesting is that if we, if we don't keep up the practice, we don't keep up the practice, what happens? Well, we end up losing some of that strength. The axe in and of itself gets dull. So this is why consistency in terms of how we eat and how we exercise has an effect in terms of our physical well-being. Well, consistency in terms of how we coach and practice not only what we're thinking but how we can feel when we do encounter the normalcy of resistance during a buying conversation it doesn't mean that we can't eliminate objections and we can't get to a place where somebody says okay how do i sign on i mean that happens and that's wonderful to, we're better off to be prepared and there's a saying that says you're better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so what practical strategy would you enable buyers to buy? What practical? Yeah, a practical strategy that would. Yeah. Yeah. So I I like the idea of of being able to get to a place where we've created or been able to discover some smart goals. Mm. What is it that they're looking for to achieve, and then having something that is specific, measurable, attainable, realistic and timely because now once i have and my preference would be come up with three what are three smart goals that allow us to delve into the desire and then what are the what's the urgency what's the time frame that we want to be able to achieve that so coming up with smart goals specific measurable attainable realistic and timely critical component of to the discovery process that's going to help you do a better job and you'll see scale happen so do you mean that you ask the buyer these three questions that will help to establish early is, you Correct. know, and, and, and though it's, it's asked in a way as uh, being smart. I don't know. How, is that what so you mean? Say, say, for example, for a business, their, their goal is to be able to achieve a certain level of and, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking from an exercise perspective for, because we've been talking exercise. They want to be able to get more members into their program. Well, in, let's focus then on the North Star of their business. Revenue will happen. Profit margins will happen. It, it could be, so how many, how many Google reviews are you looking to achieve, which help SEO and help drive leads? How many referrals are you looking to achieve on a monthly basis to be able, again, do the same? What are video testimonials worth to you? How many of those do you want to have? So now we have measurable goals that will lead us. And then in terms of a time frame, I'm, I'm saying a month, we could say per week. 
And so now we have things that we could measure to help achieve as opposed to what's the dollar amount. Right. If it's not necessary, the dollar amount, yes, is important. Wouldn't it be great to be able to have something that drives us from a passion perspective that I know that if I'm doing this and I'm getting, for example, these three metrics of referrals, reviews, testimonials, that if I'm measuring these, the rest is. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's actually breaking down that revenue gold in, in goals into actionable, measurable um, targets that they need to achieve. And then the revenue comes through. Exactly. And yeah. you're using the word target, which is so important because if we don't have a target, then nothing happens. It's just, it's, it's flotsam and jetsam. It's the bubbles <laughs> on the, on the shoreline, right? It's just back and forth and you're not in control. It's beautiful, but really we want to be able to have an oar in the water and at least direct the ship in the right direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Joe, if you were on a desert island on your own, what would be the one thing you do? Ooh, I, that is a wonderful question. The one thing, and, and again, if let's assume it's not technology where I would be connected with people and I don't have internet. I would likely, I would likely take um, it, it desert island, assuming that I can, I would actually take a fishing rod Why? It, it, because I, it, with the serenity that I have, it's one of my passions. I love to fish and it would also be on a desert island. It would be a way for me to be able to at least eat. So I would be able to hit two birds with one stone. I would be able to do what I love to do when I'm not working. And, it, and, and there's something about the puzzle piece of fishing that I enjoy because it's not just put a worm on a hook and fish. There's always, okay, this bait might not be working. It might not be the right position, time of day. So where on the island would I would go? So the, I enjoy that whole process. I do enjoy when I have a fish on the line and I also love to cook. So all of this, I'd get a fishing rod. Yeah. You know what? I always thought fishing was quite boring, but now you've explained that there's a lot more to it and oh, you know, yeah. trying to work out the puzzle of uh, absolutely it right so it's almost yes. like cat and mouse isn't it really it's that it is challenge. yeah it, it truly is because there's a way to present your bait no different than the way we have to earn the right as sellers we have to earn the right to get to the point where we can pitch until then and you you and i both know this people are pitching way too aggressively way too soon they have an etr which we called earned the right well there's the same thing when it comes to presenting your bait to a fish, there's a time of day, there's something that needs to be appropriate. So we have to figure all of this out. And how do we do that? We have to learn the behavior. What's the pattern of the fish time of year changes that because they, they migrate differently. There's a spawning season. So I love the puzzle of, of the sales conversation, the buying conversation, as much as I love fishing. And again, I also I'm a foodie, so I love to eat. So there's 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 that too. What I was smiling at you obviously really passionate about uh, fishing but I also am. I really love the way that you brought that back into sales as well you did my job for me <laughs> the analogy of fishing and sales was excellent love Thank that you. how can listeners get hold of you Joe I would encourage people to get a hold of me on on LinkedIn Look up Joe Marcoux, so LinkedIn, Joe Marcoux. You'll find me there. It's probably the best place to find me. Uh, I absolutely would, in, would encourage anyone, if they're curious, to find out more. Take advantage of what I'm, I'm going to be giving to Janice. Or, hey, I, I'm curious to maybe try this thing. What, can I do a drop-in session? Because we do this on Zoom. 
feel free. We, we just want people to experience the interactive live training. It's a lot of fun. And we, we share, like we, you and I have had today, Janice, we share a lot of laughs and people learn something and they can take home some action alive, uh, actionable Excellent. items. Yes. Excellent. Thank you for that. I'll put it in all in the show notes so people my can pleasure. get access Thank you. Um, to that. So it's been an absolute pleasure. Oh my God, I can't believe how quickly the time's gone. We've it's had, gone fast. It's gone yeah, I know, fast. really enjoyable. Honor. Loved it. Thank you so much for being a guest on Scale Yourselves podcast, Joe. It's my pleasure. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.